Welcome to Momentum Church. started last week we looked at seeing the impossible made possible in your future how many you you've looked at your napkin this week anybody you took your napkin and you took some time with it yeah I had different people text me saying man I needed this exercise anything you shoot for in the future if you don't have a target on it you're not going to hit it you need to have a target and so having those visions those dreams those goals that future perspective it allows you to have a target and so we did napkin dreams last week. If you're a guest with us this week, you're like, what in the world? We had a a section of time during worship service or during the preaching that we had some worship going on, and we just took about five minutes to dream about our family, our finances, our future, and the things pertaining to faith, our, our, our walk with Jesus, and some goals that we have, and we took a napkin like this, and we just wrote those things on the napkin. Now, here's the thing about it. I want you to pursue those things. It's not the idea that we write them down and go, well, that's that. We put it in a drawer. No, that future perspective will never become a reality. You will not make the impossible possible in your future if you don't begin to work those things out. But I want to talk about something because sometimes we'll have dreams. We'll have vision. We'll have all these things we're running for. We're championing. We are focused on our purpose. And in that, I think it's awesome, but watch. Often people who have been blessed and begin to walk in favor, all right? They start to see some of these things manifest in their lives. They find themselves with a tendency to live to receive. I'm walking in my stuff. I'm experiencing my thing. This is the vision God gave me. And we lose time for other people. We lose time or focus on greater purpose. This is part of the purpose of God, what God has shown you to pursue for your future. But we've got to be careful not to get a tendency that we just want to receive. We've got to be people who live to serve. Come on, amen? Yeah. But if we focus only on this and what I want for my life, we will become self-serving. If we only focus on this and what I want for my life, we will become self-indulged. Amen? And what I want to talk about today is making the impossible possible in your world. All right? So everybody kind of go like this. Don't hit nobody. All right, yeah, in your space, in your sphere, in the people and the the environments that you find your life in. That's what I want to look at because if we chase after our dreams only, the focus of our dreams will become self-serving. If we take that napkin and all we focus on is what was written on it, what will happen in time, it's all about me getting what I want. Our napkin will become a bib. Mm, I want more. I want, I want to eat. I want, give me mine. I want mine. My time. My pursuits. My money. Those are skills that I have that I use for my life. Maybe at the expense of others. But that napkin's a beautiful thing. That having that vision is great. But if we're not careful, we'll become self Serving. I remember years ago during the Great Recession, we had a, a, a family that started coming because everything they had, they lost. And in losing everything that they have, they're living in the basement of some people's home. They're, they're being taken care of. And, and we should do that. Amen? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man had a lot of things he just wouldn't sell off, had to hold on to, because these are my purpose. This is my identity. These are my things. And he held on to those things. A man was far from God, and in this process came close to Jesus, began to serve Jesus. God starts to bless this man. I can't go through the miracles that took place in his family because if I did, there'd be people here go, I remember those testimonies because those testimonies were shared from this platform. Those testimonies of God's faithfulness were shared right here because this man's napkin dreams were gone. His future looked bleak and next thing you know, he had nothing but Jesus. Maybe that's why we need that more often than not, amen? Just some seasons where all we have is Jesus. And so God, over a period of a few years, began to bless this man, take care of this man, pour into this man. Man, finances turned around, bought a house better than the house they had before, vehicles better than the vehicles they had before, a job better than the job they had before. Receiving, receiving, receiving. And the man Never set foot in the church again. All this dreams, all these things taken away, and then God brings them all back just for him to eat his seed. Just to eat his seed. God has things for us to sow, amen? God has things for us to give, to pour out, to, to, to serve, to do. <clears throat> but if we're not careful, we will focus on our our, our, our future and get so locked into us and what we want and our desires that it becomes like a bid and we will eat our seed. I'm not gonna preach that on anymore. <laughs> in seasons of provision and in seasons of lack, we have an opportunity. And what that opportunity is, it's an opportunity to rise up as those who are marked by service to God and to others. If we're going to see the impossible made possible in the world, we've got to embrace that it's not all about us. It's not all about our napkin dreams and our pursuits and what we feel is our purpose. No, no. God loves us too much to allow the favor on our life to lead us to what only serves us. He'll bring challenges our way. Yes, he will. Because he wants to shape us to use us for his glory and for his purpose. And in the Bible, when I think about dreams, we were calling our future dreams last week, that we were seeing the impossible made possible in our dreams. When I think in Scripture of dreams, my mind goes back to a young man named Joseph. How many has ever heard the story of Joseph? We're going to weave in and out of that story today. So begin to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, and from a character study in Scripture, the person of Joseph covers a lot of ground. I mean, more verses than most people that we study about in Scripture. So I can't cover all of Joseph's story, and as I bump in and out of it, you're going to be those that grew up in Sunday school. Wait, 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 this happened too. I know, but you don't want me to preach an hour, do you? Oh, you do? Okay, I'll tell it all. Tell it all, preacher. Tell it all. No. So I'll be weaving in and out a little bit. But this young man by the name of Joseph, he was the favored son of Jacob. And Jacob is the man who would become known as Israel, the father of the Israelites. And this is his son that he was so pleased with. This is his son that he gave a coat of many colors to. A son who was definitely favored and everyone in the family knew it. Anybody have children like that? That there's that one 
I always tell every one of my children when they're by themselves, you know you're my favorite. Don't tell anybody else. Okay, Daddy, I won't. I think Adelie still believes she's my favorite, you know. <laughs> Been doing that for years to him. Now, all Arden's so sweet. I do it to her, and she's like, Daddy, that's not nice. <laughs> You're not my favorite anymore. No. <laughs> but this coat was a sign of the favor of the Father over his life. And this dreamer, I want to read a scripture just to kind of talk a little bit about his dream. Let's stand up, if you would, as we honor God's word. Genesis 37, verse 5 through 8. Now Joseph had a dream. I want to show you the favor that God was beginning to show Joseph in his life. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we are binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. It goes on a little bit further and it talks about how he had another dream where he saw the sun and the moon. And all these stars bowing down before Joseph. And at that point, Jacob's realizing, are you saying that's your mama? And my, my, I'm the sun and mama's the moon and all your brothers are the stars and all y'all are going to be bowing down to me? And so that was the dream that he had. Go ahead and have your seats. That was the dream he had. And it, it raised up an issue with the brothers, as you know the story. And they were going to kill him. They decided not to kill him. They ended up selling him to Ishmaelite traders. The Ishmaelite traders, they take them, take him into Egypt. And they sell him to a man by the name of Potiphar. And we're going to fall into this passage right now, and then we'll continue. So now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. You see that? I love this. I love that no matter what you're going through, God's with you. I love that the Lord had brought him down to this place, to this experience. God's dream in his life isn't over, all right? But I do believe that the future, it, that, that napkin, if you will, all those things on it, when you're challenged, they're coming, but what are you going to do in that midst of that challenge? What are you going to do in the midst of that struggle? And Joseph just exemplifies to us a man who has a dream, a man who could have been extremely arrogant, a man who could have been extremely prideful and only focused on his pursuits. But man, everything's challenged right now. And I want you to see the heart as we go through this today of, I want you to see the heart of Joseph. It goes on, it says, Lord was with Joseph, he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. So he's a servant. If he has a master, he's a servant. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended to him. And he made him overseer of his house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house, over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and in his field. And so we can see Joseph, he has his dreams. I can see the sheaves, these sheaves bowing down before me. I, I can see the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down before me. I can see myself in the favor of my earthly father, but also in the favor of God. And we can see that. And it would have been very easy for him to have gotten to this position upon being sold into slavery, just trying to take care of self, 
trying to nourish self, trying to take care of, trying to feed self, trying to, you know, they put me in this house. How dare them? I'll be the worst servant they have. Self-serving, self-serving. But what you see with Joseph, he wasn't satisfied with the dream, right? And he wasn't going to eat his seed. He was faithful, and he became a servant in the house. And he began to serve faithfully. Your dreams, your future, ought to be something that you don't eat your seed, focusing and pursuing it. They ought to be something while you're pursuing it that you posture yourself amongst all the challenges as a servant. And you begin to do life serving and watching God's favor not only come upon you, you'll see at the end of this story, come upon the whole world at that time. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah. Now, here's the thing about it. When you are going through things, your heart to be faithful and to serve, it will be challenged. It'll be challenged. All Joseph's doing is serving faithfully as master, but he catches the eye of Potiphar's wife. Ooh, I like that servant boy. Mm. He all kind of something. And next thing you know, she pursues him. He disregards the advancement of her. Again, he could have taken that as a way of getting further into his purpose, his goal, what he wanted. But he didn't. He pushed her away. And guess what ends up happening? He ends up being put into prison. He ends up going to prison for that. In Genesis 39, verse 21 through 23, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And then the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, prisoners who were in prison. Watch this. You ready for this? Ooh, I love that. I got to get my little, my little major D thing. Ready? Watch this. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. I never saw that before. I love it. In my mind, he has favor in the prison. But how did he get favor? It says, whatever was done in that place, he was, sir, you need me to clean the toilets? Gotcha. Sir, you need me to bring a, a mop to the floors? And I got you. Whatever's done, I got it. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. But he could have looked at, I'm supposed to rule and reign. Don't you realize? This is who I am. This is my dreams and my pursuits. But in that moment, no, no, he just, whatever was done, he was the one doing it. Nothing too big, nothing too small. But challenged the whole time. I mean, the prison life would be a challenge. Not being free, not being in the land of, 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 of Canaan where he had come from would have been a challenge. Being away from his dad who loved him so dearly would have been a challenge. But whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to succeed. But listen, he's in prison, falsely accused, possibly awaiting death. I, I don't know how severe his charge was, but I want to say it this way. There will always be challenges to serve, but we serve anyhow. You hear that? Now, I don't know what your challenge might be. It's not prison. It might be your agenda. Why well, work two jobs? Well, you know, my, 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 my finances don't allow me to give. Nothing? Your finances don't allow you to give Nothing? It, this is off subject, but it was really kind of a fun little thing. I was at a coffee shop, and a guy was there, and he was commenting on my motorcycle, and, and he said he was going for a ride. And so I asked him, what, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you riding? I thought he was going to be a bike. And he said, he, he's like, mm, 
I'm like, what? He goes, it's a Ferrari. And I'm like, and you're ashamed about that? <laughs> well, I just don't want to sound bragging. And I don't know why I said this. I said, well, you have nothing. I mean, th- there's nothing to be ashamed about as long as you're generous. I mean, now, if you don't give anything, you should be ashamed. If you don't give anything, you should be embarrassed. But if you're generous and you have a Ferrari, that's awesome. Don't ever put your head down, you know? Now, I don't know if he's generous or not. If he's not, I probably lost a friend. <laughs> but if he is, I think I challenged him to realize what's really important in life isn't stuff, you know? I think he is generous. I really do. And I think we're going to develop a friendship, and I think he's going to take me for a ride in his Ferrari. <laughs> I don't think he's going to let me drive. I don't. I don't. But no, it's like there's always challenges to serve. There's always challenges to give. There's always challenges to get beyond us and what we're facing. But man, I tell you, I love that Joseph, he had this mandate on his life, this dream that God gave him. But even pursuing that dream, what he was faced with, he was still going to serve. He was still going to be everything he could be in those moments. And there was two prisoners in the prison with him. One was a baker and one was a cup bearer. And whatever had happened in their lives, they'd end up in prison. And they had dreams, each of them. And they came to Joseph with their dreams. And Joseph served them. Now, it's sad because the one, he interpreted the dream and said, by tomorrow, I think it was tomorrow, Mr. Baker, sorry, (laughs) it's not good for you. But for the cupbearer, he said that he'd be elevated again, that he'd be raised up again to that position. And that's what happened. The cupbearer goes and begins to work uh, underneath Pharaoh again. And Pharaoh, the whole, you know, king, if you will, of Egypt, this man has a dream. And in that dream, he needs it to be interpreted. And so the dream, to save a little bit of time, he's seeing cows that are basically starving, and there was seven of them. And he sees cows that were strong and vibrant, and there were seven of them. And and he's wanting to know, and he calls his magicians and all the people to come in to interpret the dream, but they can't interpret the dream. And this cupbearer, hey, Pharaoh, I know a man in prison who can interpret dreams. The favor of God, the spirit of God is upon him. And so they get Joseph to come, and Joseph, he gathers to them and, and, and begins to interpret the dreams and basically just tells them there's going to be seven really good years of plenty. And in those seven years of plenty, we need to begin to save grain because those seven thin cows are representing seven years of famine. And we've got to save stuff and stockpile stuff. And it was the wisdom of Joseph interpreting the dream that caught the eye of Pharaoh. And next thing you know, Pharaoh's asking him, to serve as one of the greatest leaders in the country. Watch this, Genesis 41, verse 39 through 45. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none as discerning and wise as you are. A pagan worshiped Isis, Horus, Seb. A pagan, Pharaoh, because God has shown you this. Did you catch that? The heart of Joseph, not focused on his dream coming to pass, but in the midst of the challenges, focusing on serving and being faithful and doing what he can in the moment, gave him a platform to where now a pagan Pharaoh is saying, the God, your God. He's seeing God in the midst of this. Since God has shown you this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. Starting to sound familiar, huh? All that stuff on the paper... You take care of serving, you take care of giving, you take care of the purpose of God in, in the light, and he'll take care of your purpose. He'll take care of your dreams. He'll take care of the things on that, that napkin. 
He says, you shall be over my house and my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will be greater than I will. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring and he put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed them in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. I mean, you got to think about that. This is a man who was cast into a pit his garment torn from him, an animal slayed and blood put upon it to try to trick his father Jacob that he had been killed by an animal. And then he sold as a slave, lost all his glory, lost all his favor, at least earthly. And now he has a new garment put on. That gold necklace is a symbol of, 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 of glory and honor. Everything stripped of him when he was a slave. Now he's being, it's being restored to him in this moment. <clears throat> and he made him ride in his second chariot, in other words, second in command. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or a foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephinath Paneah. Zephinath Paneah. Can I give you the definition of that word? All right? Zephinath Paneah. I love this. It's God speaks and he lives. Pagan. Just watching Joseph who had a dream that, 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 that wanted to see that dream come to pass, but it was all taken away. And all the challenges that he faced, he just served anyhow. Everybody shout, serve anyhow. He just served anyhow. He had every excuse and every right just to hole up in a corner. And I'm, not, I'm refusing to help anybody. I'm not doing one thing more than I need to do. But that wasn't him. He served anyhow. And in this, God raises him up. And now the Pharaoh is speaking over his life. I will call you God speaks and he lives. Listen, when we serve in spite of our challenges, we present a witness of a living God who desires to intervene in the lives of others. That's why we serve. So that God can be seen and so that God... Who he is can be spoken into the lives of others. You preaching Adam's not going to change lives. You serving folk. You always looking for an opportunity to make a difference in this house and outside the four walls of this place. Boy, I tell you right now, God begins to use that to speak loudly to those. You know, it's a shame. Sometimes Christians can be the most selfish people. And I am one, Right? Sometimes our families, they don't see your heart of service. Sometimes our families that are lost, they wonder how in the world. Like, that's a believer. I, they, they profess faith. They go to church and all this. I don't want no part of that. Because all they do is pursue what they desire. They just pursue their dreams, their visions. And you know what? We can sanctify it too. Can I show you how you sanctify it? Well, I don't have time for my family because I just serve at the church so much. I don't have time to give to others because I just give the church so much. I don't have time to. Does that make sense? No. Don't let the church be your idol. Amen? Your family, they will see that. They will, that it, but, but I'm trying to please God. I know that. But he wants you to reach your family too. Don't take from your family for the church per se. Does that make sense? But God speaks and he lives. And so... 
Continuing the story, a famine, that seven-year famine, finally comes to Egypt and to the region, the far-reaching regions of the world at that time. And in that time when that happened, um, Jacob and his, his children, these are all adult kids now, but maybe Benjamin might have still been a teenager, but, but that group of people and everybody in that region, they didn't have food. And so Jacob had heard that there was food in Egypt that was stockpiled, and he encourages his sons to go down to Egypt to receive some of this grain and to come back. And there's a lot to this story that I'm not going to go into, but the first time the sons come, these are Joseph's brothers, and he sees them, and he recognizes them. But you got to understand, Joseph is clean-shaven now. Joseph has the garments of, 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 of leadership in Egypt. He doesn't look like a Jewish person now. He's not dressed in what, those, um, what the garb of the Jewish people would look like at the time. And so when he saw them, when Joseph saw his brothers, he hurried out for his compassion grew warm for his brothers. And he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber and wept there. And then he washed his face and he came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. I love it. These are people he should be so irate with. And guess what you find him doing again? He can't help himself. It's who God made him to be. He's a servant. His heart, he had the authority to have them slaughtered right then on the spot. But he pulled himself away and got compassion. When we see needs in the world, do we pull ourselves away and have compassion and think to ourselves, how can we make a difference in our world? In this moment, it was a worldwide famine. And yes, it was his brothers, and that was a challenge to his serving. But in the midst of it, he pulled himself away, he prayed, he got compassion, and he came back and he said, give these men some food. Serve these men. He didn't come back and rule over them in that moment. He came back and he, he everybody say, served them. So there's a lot to this story I'm not going to get into. Joseph sends him back to Canaan, asks to have that younger brother brought back. There's a lot to this. I'm just not going to go into all the story. But finally, finally, this is what happens. Genesis 45. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me there. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there is yet five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. You gotta understand this is the nation of Israel in its infancy. All right, this is an important, important family. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of his house and ruler over the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. I love it because he's going to continue to provide. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. What we didn't see in the passage I read was those, those brothers bowing before Joseph, worried. You know, they thought he was just king, and then when Joseph revealed himself to them, they were distressed, and he calmed them, and he provided. He served. He continued to serve them. 
And so I just want to challenge us. Seeing the impossible made possible in our world, that's going to happen when we serve. Okay? I'm going to say it real quick, and then I'll come back to these two. That's going to happen when we give. Everybody say serve. Serve. Everybody say give. give. He served faithfully, and then he gave bountifully to take care of his family for five more years. And so the impossible is made possible when we're serving and giving, when we join together to do the work of the Lord. When we join together. And what I love about this is in spite of the challenges to Joseph, he served anyhow. In spite of the challenges to Joseph, he gave anyhow. Why? Because there was a purpose on Joseph's life. He knew what God had put on his napkin, if you will. There was a purpose in his life. And he didn't miss the opportunities that God placed before him, though he was faced with challenges at every turn. And so I I just first want to say that seeing the impossible made possible in your life, it's tied to your purpose. He never forgot his purpose, but in the midst of his purpose, he served. He didn't just serve self, he served others. A lot of times we don't see world change because our purpose is just that. It's our purpose. You catch that? It's our purpose. It wasn't about Joseph wanting all these people to bow before him. There was something greater that he had a dream about, something greater that was in him. And he didn't wait for the fulfillment of that greater to come to begin to serve and to begin to give. He didn't wait. Well, I'll start serving when, I'll start giving when, and we all have lists that keep us, challenges that keep us from moving in the purpose of God because we want to just walk out our purpose. We've got to guard our hearts on that. We do not see that change the world. We see the world change when we line our purpose up with the purpose of God. Um, On Tuesday night, no, it was Monday night, we were at the Assemblies of God District Council meeting, which is all the pastors in Georgia um, that we gather together once a year for a, a meeting. And so we were together, and that night, it was a missions night, and that night, they had the superintendent of the Polish nation. We call it a council. So the Polish National Council, the superintendent of that country was there. And obviously, with everything going on in the Ukraine, that man's busy right now. Amen? But he told this story, and I love that. He said that, that the church in Poland, the Assemblies of God Church, that they had been praying for a year, God, give us more people to reach. God, let us touch more people's lives. Let us reach more people in the coming year than we've ever reached before. And the superintendent said that they must have prayed too hard. He said, because 2.8 million people are in their country now from Ukraine, just in, U- just in Ukraine. There's more refugees than that than just those in Poland, rather. But 2.8 more people have gathered there. And, um, and so with that, they, the churches have just exploded in Poland with the influx of the Ukrainians. But guess what that's meant for the Polish church? They've had to serve at a higher level. They've had to give at a higher level. They prayed, they lined themselves up to the purpose of God, and then when this famine, if you will, it's a war, but when this crisis came, they were ready to respond well. They had a dream, like Joseph. And in that dream, they want to reach more. The more came, and then they served. And then they were faithful in that. 
And so I just want to say it this way. God's purpose for our life isn't just to be, to be blessed, right? No, no, it's to be a blessing. That, that, that's just such the kingdom economy. It really is. You know, like, like, I don't know about you. I'm just sick of selfishness, aren't you? Everything's so selfish in the world. And so the plan isn't for us to just be selfish and these are my dreams. No, no, it's not just to be blessed. God wants you blessed. I really believe that. But it's blessed to be a blessing. It's blessed to line our hearts to the purpose of God. And so what I want us to do today, and we're about ready to close, I want us to kind of make a pledge today. Not just to be blessed only, but to be a blessing. And so the pledge, I'm going to have you repeat this a few times. I will be a blessing. Let's say it again. I will be a blessing. I mean, how, how do we make the impossible possible in the world? <laughs> we bless. We serve. We give. We don't wait for anybody else to do it. We take care of whatever. Whatever needed to be taken care of in the jail, in the midst of the challenges and the struggles. Don't you realize... Mr. Jailkeeper, I got my own busy stuff. I got my own stuff that's struggling. I'm struggling. No, no, no. What can I do next? How can I serve? How can I help? What can I do? You did me wrong. I'm not giving. No, how can I give? I love it. I just love how Joseph modeled that to us. And so this one decision has the power to make the impossible possible in our world. The decision to say that I will be a blessing and to pledge that and to make that commitment. That one decision changes everything. And because of that, we have that in our fourfold, we call it our compass culture, like north, south, east, west, our fourfold compass culture. The W is winning together. Because we get this, this idea that we win together. When we come together, we can make a difference in the world. Our mission statement under winning together is we believe we can do more together than we could on our own. So we live to invest our time, talent, and treasure in making a difference in people's lives locally and around the world. Yes, we have dreams and visions and all these aspirations, but we win together when we serve. And we win together. We can't win alone. It's the collective gathering of our service. It's the collective gathering of our finances that makes the difference. We can't win alone, but we can win together. Some people are satisfied with y'all winning together. And I'll just continue to eat my seed. And what I love about that, you know, I see this a lot of times. Quick people quick that, 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 that are self-serving, They'll be fine with you winning together. And from over here, look what my church did. Look what we did. Look what we accomplished. Look how, you know what's neat about it is the ones over here that are just serving and giving, no words. They're not, look what we did, look what I did. Look what, it's just look what the Lord's doing in our house. Look what God's doing through the ministry. Look at the lives being changed. Can you see how purpose is different? That, that Joseph was like that. All the challenges, but he just kept serving. And I love it because he didn't have to say, look what I did. Everybody said, look what his God did. Over and over and over and over. That's what his God did. He speaks. His God speaks. And his God lives. People who are stingy and selfish in time, talent, and treasure, nobody ever looks at them and says, that person's God speaks and that person's God lives. 
That's good preaching. <laughs> so I want to challenge us to partner together. We partner with each other through serving. And I'm, I added this too, because I'm going to talk about serving and giving as I close. But we partner with each other through serving and living to make a difference. Serving and living. That's how we partner with each other. I mean, no matter the challenges, we serve the world. And we serve each other. When I say serve each other, you know one of the greatest ways in this church to serve each other is being a part of a small group. Those small groups, I mean, I know you're like, yeah, but I don't have an extra two and a half hours to drive there, have the small group, and drive home. You can't afford not to be in a small group or a ministry team, at least one or the other. You can't, because that, that's serving each other. When those needs arise amongst that small community, man, they're the ones that meet each other's needs both emotionally, spiritually, physically. And so I want to challenge you in that, to, to partner together, to win together, through serving together, finding a place here at this church to, to put your hands to, serve somewhere at least once a month. And I'm not saying that because our volunteer base is weak. It's not. Well, pastor, you just said we're going to one service in June. What's well, June? A hundred of you people won't be in the building every week. That's what happens in every June. June. It's weird, just June, just June. And in July, it's right back up. But we only have two months of vacation times in our county with schools. So I believe that's why it is. In Ohio, we had three months. And so with two months, man, everybody's ready. In June, they do it. And in July, they're back around because they got ready for school in August. Or sometime, that's true too, it's hot. Sometime school will probably start like July 12th. That'll be awful, but let's hope not. Pray, oh, I hope not. <clears throat> So in that area of serving and living to make a difference in each other's lives, let's make a pledge to not just be blessed, but to be a blessing. Everybody say, I will become a blessing. Yeah. The next thing, the impossible is made possible when we partner with God using our resources for his purpose. Joseph, he had accumulated great stores of grain, but now he's challenged to feed his brothers. And he had every reason to withhold that grain, but he didn't. And that was his challenge. But listen, there will always be challenges to generosity. But guess what? Just like serving and we serve anyhow, when the challenges to generosity come, we give anyhow. We're faithful. Why? Because God is a provider. The word uses the Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. There's a partnership there that comes. You can't outgive God giving. Old preacher used to say that, R.W. Schambach, he'd scream it, but he'd say it. But you can't outgive God given. And so we need to partner with each other, not just through serving and living to make a difference, but we need to partner with God through giving. No matter what the challenges are, you still give through those things. Because our lives will not be judged by what we have accumulated in life. Our lives are going to be judged on by what we give away. The impact of our lives will be on what we give away, not what we accumulate. The impact of people seeing a God who speaks and a God who lives will come not from what we just accumulate, but by what we give and how we, we serve. How many has ever seen the movie Schindler's List? Crushed my heart watching that years ago. There's a point in the movie at the end where he looks at his watch and he just breaks breaks because he looks at this watch and it's a high value timepiece and it just wasn't something he had thought about he'd given so much to save so many and as he looks at the watch he breaks and he says to himself something to the effect of if I could have sold if I would have sold this watch I could have helped another person 
He just realized that what he had accumulated, what he had held on to, kept him from saving one more person's life. And so as we close today, I'm going to give you an action step. Obviously, serve, volunteer, find a place to make a difference. Get in small groups so that you can make a difference weekly in each other's lives. Things the men in my small group say to me challenge me. It makes a difference. Things I say to them challenges them. It makes a difference. We serve each other. Find that for yourself. But when it comes to giving, I want to give us a focus. And so I want to tell you about it this week. You can give today, but between today and next Sunday, we want to give to Ukrainian refugee relief. Amen? I mean, it's two months into this war, so many displaced people. It's just crushing to see the indiscriminate bombing that is taking place and missile launches into the, into the, the, the residential areas of that country. It's just heartbreaking. And we're lucky, not lucky, we're blessed as being a part of the Assemblies of God because our missionaries and the people that are in the field, they're vetted. We know that our finances, when they go, they go where they're supposed to go. Amen? And what's neat, you may not realize this, one of the largest relief movements in the world is called Convoy of Hope, and it is connected to, it was birthed out of the Assemblies of God. And so because of that, we have an inroad to be able to send finances to Convoy of Hope. And I just wrote down what they're doing right now. They provide emergency relief in the form of food, water, sheltering supplies, and other necessities to the hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians throughout the eight countries in Europe that have received Ukrainians. And so not only do I want us to see us give to that, give generously. You can do it today. Look, look on your little giving thing, and it'll show Ukraine. You know, I have something on there. Oh, I might say Convoy of Hope. I, can't, I, think, I think she just put Ukraine on there. But you have next week as well. But here's something I want you to be praying for. One of our missionaries' husbands for years has worked for Convoy. And, and right now, they're getting, and they're, they're, they're a very newly married couple. This is scary. But they're getting ready to send him to Ukraine, right into the field to be doing this right in the country of Ukraine. So I can't say their names, but just be praying. He's one of our missionaries. Um, we've supported them for a while, you know, that family. And so if you would, just be praying. Again, I can't say the name, but be praying. So it's not just we're going to give money, but we want to be praying for this young man as he leads his newlywed wife and um, goes over to assist in this moment. And so long story short, I want you, if you think of the napkin, I want you to dream big. That's why we did last week. Dream big, all right? But I want you to serve big as well. I don't want you just to dream big. I want you to serve big, and I want you to give big in your life, amen? How big? Well, that's up to you. I'm not here to tell you how big. That's on you. But I want to challenge you because you're going to face challenges. And no matter the challenge, I want us to be people that make the pledge that we will not just be blessed only, but we will be a blessing and one final time, real loud, just say, I will be a blessing. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.